the Sodexo Diversity and Inclusion podcast. Good morning all. Uh, welcome to the Diversity and Inclusion Working Together for Progress podcast. Um, I'd like to start in asking you all to introduce yourselves, please. Rachel. Good morning all. Rachel Jones, Director of Talent and Deployment for UK and Ireland. Osama Uekba, a Corporate Responsibility Coordinator. Michelle Delisi's Director of Business Improvement and Growth Support. Hi there, I'm Alec Dariwalf, Finance Director, Service Operations and the Accounting Centre. Hi, morning. I'm Stephen Marshall, Head of Digital Communications and Co-Chair of the Origins Network. Good morning, my name's Raj Verma, I'm the Senior Vice President of Human Resources for Corporate Services Worldwide. I'm Raj Jones, Diversity and Inclusion Advisor. Thank you all for coming and again, morning. Um, so I'll kickstart with our first question. Um, and it is, what does DNI in an organization look like and feel like to you? You're all just looking at me. <laughs> I think for me it's, um, it's about a sense of belonging um, and not having lots of different provisions to try and level playing fields or raise platforms. Um, I think you get to a stage where everything is just as it should be. I think, yeah, I think that's the ideal, but I think there's work that needs to be done before most organisations get to that place of where there's true equality. Um, and equality means recognising that people are different. It's not about treating everybody exactly the same. Mm. To me, it isn't anyway. Um, it's just recognising differences and bringing that into the workplace where you can have real diversity of thought because you've got so many different types of people sitting around the table that it really helps to push things forward and grow a business because of that diversity of thinking and thought. I think to add to that, um, it would be around um, its want and its purpose and its desire. So I don't think any business of this type of scalability gets it right immediately. I think that the want and the drive to get it right for us to be an inclusive business um, needs to be in line to your personal integrity. And if you can see it, um, and it's not necessarily measurable in front of you, but you can actually see that there's a real desire to get to where we need to get to and to get to where we want to get to, and that want can look different for different people because we are therefore then being inclusive, um, would, would be what I would say. Um, for me personally, um, there's a couple areas that I, I think um, diversity and inclusion covers from, from a personal point of view. It's a very old term, but um, I think very still, um, very much still true. Um, equal opportunity. Um, I think it's for me. It's about being able to have an equal opportunity within the workplace, wherever you are. Um, and then secondly, um, it's about being able to thrive um, as you uh, bringing your complete self into work and thriving uh, with whatever your background is. Um, so those are the two things for me that like really bring diversity and inclusion to life. Okay, and I'll grow on that and ask you, how has your identity um, influenced and shaped the life and career choices you have made? Um, for me personally, um, it, it's a difficult one in some ways because I think, uh, what, what, where does your cultural identity drive you and where does, where does your personality and you drive you? Mm. You know, uh, they're so entwined. So I don't. I wouldn't say necessarily my cultural identity has been necessarily a driver for for how I've progressed 
um, within my career, um, but it obviously is an influence. I would say that being from a ethnic minority background, I've always felt and always been aware of the fact that um, obviously you look different, so people make different assumptions about you when they see you um, within the workplace and within life generally. Um, and therefore, the way in which you might progress and what people think of you is different. And that has given me, personally, a drive to prove to myself and to others that I can achieve what I want to achieve. Okay. So that's from a personal point of view. Um, I would say um, I think my cultural background has definitely been a, um, a positive factor in how I view the world of work. Um, being from a coming from a Nigerian heritage, I was always really encouraged to um, to be the best version of myself. Be it in opening a business or working for a company that really promoted that. Um, and I think also my Christian values have really allowed me to want to be in an, an organisation or a place where I can really impact people, have a purpose bigger than myself. Um, and being a part of corporate responsibility has allowed me to see that you can really empower and people to make a better life for themselves or just give them the tools to do that. Um, so I would say it's definitely been, um, my, my cultural background and my faith has definitely been quite key factors in choosing my career and where I see myself going in the future. Okay. If, I, if I build on that, um, I mean, I've, been, I've been in Sodexo um, 17 years now, right? Wow. And I think um, one of the things probably important is uh, from my own personal background would be the value principle. So obviously from my own, on Sikh uh, background, having that heritage and background of values and aligning to an organization that has the same values as Sodexo does, mm. right? Helps you whether you want to join an organization, stay with an organization, or grow with an organization. So do you feel you're able to bring your whole self to work? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. And I how? I'd echo the feedback from uh, you know, uh, Steve and Michelle in, in the sense that uh, you are bringing yourself to work, right? Um, everyone accepting who you are, and that diverse nature you bring, as long as there's an awareness of it, mm. right? does create a quite a big dynamic in the workplace or can create a dynamic. If I can just add something to that, um, I personally feel I can bring myself to work. However, maybe just kind of echoing what Stephen mentioned earlier that at the same time I'm quite aware that I may be different in in some facets. Um, just a really simple example, um, you know, I'm, I'm a black woman so for instance, um, you know, we change our hair quite a bit. I know it sounds very trivial but um, you may get questioned or um, about things quite often or people may want to touch your hair or something it, it seems very trivial but it just kind of draws to the fact that okay like you, you do things slightly different from what the the majority may do and that can kind of draw to the fact that I may be slightly different so you know at the back of your head you're thinking okay I'm coming with a new hairstyle I've got a new cut and it's and yeah it could, it could be a bit like okay so I know I'm going to get comments and it's not always done in a negative way but um you you can be aware that you're slightly different in a, to a certain degree. Okay. I think one thing I, I would add, um, working in a, in a global role, 90% um, of the people I meet think I'm from India, not from the UK, because I wear a turban. Um, and it's only when they hear me speak, they realize I'm probably not from, from India. And I think there's a, there's a part of that which is fine, 
if people ask the question and get into dialogue is when there's assumptions that are made. Mm. Um, you know, because I, I, you know, born and bred in the UK, and uh, you know, I've visited India. I go there every year or whatever. But the main piece is my, I'm, I'm British by culture. Mm. I'm Asian by heritage, yeah. and you have to be able to differentiate, be comfortable with both. And I think when you lift yourself out of the UK and you're going to, I'm going to Sweden tonight, and I'm sure I'll get a bunch <laughs> of questions there. When I go over to Asia, they assume I'm, I'm from India. When I go to the US, and in Sodexo today, um, there aren't that many turban-wearing Sikhs in the organization that I've come across. Mm. I think there's probably two or three in the UK, and I've not seen any elsewhere on my travel. So, you know, you also have a, I have a responsibility to share and, and help educate my peers and my colleagues and, and, and clients and consumers as well. And do you think it's very important um, you sharing that about you will encourage other to see more people like yourself in an organisation? I think um, the visibility that people get. Um, you know, I can remember I was the first um, one of the first um, Sikhs um, in Fort Dagenham as a HR person ever, and this was in the midst of huge race relation issues. So that was actually a, quite a negative thing because everybody on the shop floor were coming to me and say, oh, we've got one of ours on the management team now. Mm. So it's also managing that okay. perception as well. But you have to be comfortable in your skin to be able to have those conversations mm. um, and, and, and be part of the organisation as a whole. Okay. So I think that's what, sorry, no, go on, Michelle. I was going to say, I think um, the thing for me in terms of culture and work and what drives you. I remember my mum always making this statement, and it's probably a statement that said to most, I'd say, black Caribbean, which is you're gonna have to work twice as hard yeah. to get anywhere near. Um, and that is what you're told constantly, all the time. Whatever you do, remember, you've got to be twice as good, you've got to work twice as hard to be recognised in the same way. And because that's always in your head, you know, it does drive you mm. to, to excel, to be better, um, because that that message is always there. And I've heard myself saying it to my son. Exactly the same words come out of my mouth. Remember, you've got to be twice as good. You've got to be more driven. You've got to be more focused to get just to get on level. Um, and so I think for me, that's one that is quite a big driver that's there unconsciously in my mind. Um, for me, I think my career is probably slightly different because I started in the criminal justice sector and I actually started working with young black men who were offenders. Um, and for me, that was really important work because they are completely overrepresented. Um, and to be able to influence and impact that makes a big difference to me. Um, personally, the fact that I could do that kind of work and, and make a difference to people and also then moving on into the prison service um, and being the first black female governor in the prison service as well. Um, at the time, now there's quite a lot, um, which is great. But I think, I completely agree with you, Raj, that there is some kind of responsibility there mm. because we're not there yet. Um, and I think it's important to be able to be open to the questions that people ask. I'd rather somebody ask me a question than just be ignorant and not say anything. Mm. You know, I, I would prefer that if you don't know. You know, I've had, I remember somebody saying um, about I can't remember. I've been on some cruise or something. Thinking, I realised that black people 
Yeah. Now I remember, I and and, they, and this could be taken one of two ways. I remember somebody having that discussion with somebody else, and they were really offended by it. I actually don't see it something to be offended by. Why would you know that? To be honest, mm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why you'd know that. Just ask me the question. I didn't know that. You know, if somebody asked me the question and say that. That's fine. I'll explain why the fact that I don't live in the Caribbean and my, my skin will burn. Because <laughs> 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 my skin isn't used to the sun. Um, I, that, that is absolutely fine to ask me that question, but some people might be offended by that. But personally, I think ask the question because that's the only way I think you have those real conversations that open things up and make people just understand differences better. Do you, think, so I ask, do you think we've got the culture right for Vincent to allow people to ask those questions? Well, I, I suppose not, not to answer that, but another question within that, and I think it's a great question. It's also being aware as well, not everybody wants to bring their whole self to work, mm. and equally, you know, it could be a journey for certain individuals to start to expose their level of vulnerability or honesty or transparency. Um, so personally, I think I can bring my whole self to work. I don't think everybody in the business would feel like they could bring their whole self to work. And I think it's it, there's, there's parts of it that could be hierarchical, there's parts of it that could be generational. Um, but equally as well, I think there's, a, there's an awareness and there's a, there's a tactfulness to understand it's okay as well when somebody doesn't want to bring their whole selves to work or when is the right time to bring their whole selves to work. Mm. Okay, I'm. I'm yeah, it was to everyone. Just don't think we've got the cultural right for sex and allows people to have those conversations, ask those questions. I think you said, do you have people have the cultural rights? Yeah. Do we have the, yeah, the cult, do yeah. we have the right environment? So I think we have we we have the right environment. Mm -hmm. I, I think we have the right environment from my lens, but I think people may not be feel comfortable in themselves. What they're asking is the right question to mm -hmm. ask. Mm -hmm. So the environment, I think, is right. Well, I've never seen any other way in the cemetery, but I think it's people's own view of should I be asking yeah. that question? How will that person take that question? Mm. Yeah. You know, will they be offended? You know, as Michelle Riley says, Michelle very open in terms of you could just ask me and I'll answer and I'm not offended. But there will be others who may have a perception of well, why why are you not aware of that? You should be aware of that. You know. I think that you know there's, there's an element to that that's almost it's a deep-rooted question so I think there's I agree with Amalak in the sense that I think the environment is right I think from um, a development point of view from an educational point of view from a, a reflectiveness of the workforce that we have within our business um, equally people fall into camps of I can't ask that question I will ask that question it's not right to ask that question it's not wrong to ask that question um, and then that against the backdrop of different individuals feeling comfortable to answer that question. You know, from a, from a UK point of view, 33 to 36,000 people, depending on what number you look at, that's a big population to have to cater for from a cultural point of view and a cultural point of view that evolves frequently. Mm. But I think there's more work to be done, genuinely, and I think it's a piece that you could almost never stop looking at and focusing on. But I think it's just a, you know, um, constantly go back and look at it. Are we challenging ourselves? Where have we got bias? Where have we got unbiased? What are we doing about it? I think one of our, our biggest opportunities is, you know, we have a relatively transient workforce. We tend to have high turnover in certain parts of our, our businesses. So when people join, they will come with what they come with. Mm -hmm. um, so how do we share 
what the DNA of Sodexo is in terms of it's okay. It's mm -hmm. okay to ask questions. It's okay not to ask questions. Um, I think a lot of people fear asking the questions. A little bit about offending, but secondly, really, you know, am I going to get in trouble? Mm -hmm. Is it a disciplinary issue if I mm -hmm. call somebody black or if I, what, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. it's getting um, comfortable with those terms. And I think we have a big role, certainly in HR, to play when we're bringing people in and we're onboarding them and we're sharing with them what, you know, to touch, feel, and see Sodexo. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the difference that we have versus maybe some other organizations. But how do we constantly keep that going? And to do that, we have to have it pervasive in the organization to start with, mm. and that everybody needs to be on that same page. I think that's really valid. I think we're probably stronger at it in the external market than we are internally. I think our platform and our positioning externally is quite strong around DNI. From from my point of view, from a talent point of view, when you're talking to candidates in the external market, we're seen as someone with strong DNI footprint who takes it incredibly seriously, who feels feels sorry that we are corporately responsible. But I do I, I agree with you. I think from an onboarding point of view, there probably is a greater presence that we can give 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 around it. We have something like challenge with humility yeah, in the business. Yeah, yeah. So it could be that in this regard, we have something like approaching with humility. Because mm -hmm. um, there's the, the question of curiosity yeah. and there's, you know, just not knowing but wanting to know. Um, differently. The, exactly. Yeah. And like you yeah. said, just about the conversation about hair and sun cream. Again, I'm the same. I'd rather you ask me than just sit on the sideline and assume. Um, I'm making myself approachable. And again, like you said, some people aren't ready to bring their whole self to that. And then also, Raj, you mentioned um, creating a culture, uh, that kind of thing. Sorry, Steve, you wanted to say something? Oh, um, creating a culture. And um, I'm going to lead on to my next question. Um, so do you think taking an intersectional approach can benefit individuals teams and our organization and the reason why I ask that is because are we taking how are we bringing uh, how are we creating a culture where people can actually bring their whole self so would it be helpful if I gave definition yeah I think that would be helpful yeah. so what we're looking at is actually um, people don't just fit neatly into one box people have lots of different dimensions to their personality to their lifestyle so you may be a working mum you may be a person of colour who also happens to be gay you could be a carer for someone who's elderly as well so there's lots of different facets that make up a person make who you are yeah no thank you anyone have a take on that at all no okay um I, I, i'll have a take on it <laughs> <laughs> um i i think we are all different things um whether that be a mom or a sister, or an auntie, um, or professional at work, whatever that might be, we're all different things. I know that when I'm in the presence of my mother, I am a completely different person because I revert back to just being a child, and I'm doing exactly whatever I'm told. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm a mother myself. Um, so I think all of us have multiple identities and multiple layers. Um, and I, I actually I, I agree with Rachel. There's something about whether you bring when when we true do we truly truly bring all of ourselves to, to work. I would say I don't, um, and I don't think that's a reflection on Sodexo. It's just the fact that there are certain cultural aspects I'm not going to bring to work because mm. I'm in a professional environment, and I, I I'm just not going to do that. Mm. Um, whereas actually, if I'm having a conversation with my friends, I will speak mm. with a slightly different tone. 
I will speak differently. You know, there'll be path. You know, my, my heritage is Jamaican, so Patwa will come into what my discuss in in the way that I speak. I'm not going to come into a boardroom situation, present a presentation in Patwa. So go on. <laughs> 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 <More interesting. laughs> it would be very exciting, um, and they put subtitles. Um, but you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. The certain kind of way that you be. I'm, I'm just not going to do that at, at work. But there'll be certain of those influences that will come into the way that I speak and the way that I probably project. So even now I'm speaking, I've got gestures going all over the place because that's what we do. Um, so. But I wouldn't bring every aspect of myself to work because I'm a professional and I'm in a professional environment and I think there's certain things that are appropriate for work and certain things that aren't. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's being able to have the option to do it if you want to, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's not appropriate. You sometimes don't want to. No. You know, some of our colleagues who are identified as being gay or, or um, lesbian or bisexual choose not to be out in the workplace. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's about giving them the option if they wanted to, to know it's a safe mm. environment to do so. Yeah. I think it's yeah. an important thing for me. But for me, I've got an elderly mum who's got dementia, I've got two young, young children, so I come to work trying to juggle many different balls. But in the workplace, my priority is work. And I try not to think about that. Yeah. Because there's a time and place for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, so from that, um, I've realised from this conversation that it's very important to have the sort of opportunity where people can make the choice if they want to bring their whole self or not. Um, And again, going back to my previous question, do you think taking such an approach and creating that culture um, to drive um, progress will drive progress on the DNI agenda? Sorry, Raj, I'm going to direct that to you um also i work in the field so <laughs> i've got a very dni perspective but i think again having a culture where people feel they can do be out workplace be the whole self they want to is the right thing to do for me i think that's why you've been able people to be performing at the best so we look at some of the external stats around people who choose not to come out as gay or lesbian they're said to be 30 percent less productive because they're always worried about outing themselves we talk about what they did that weekend with who they did it with so i think for me, it's very important that we create the opportunities and the right culture if people want to, but also then recognise that everyone wants chooses to either. I think, I think we have a responsibility to enable um, people in our organisation, um, people that we work with, um, people that we serve, um, to be comfortable with whatever they're comfortable with. And I think that's the main piece. You, you, you can't force feed some of this stuff into an organisation because mm-hmm. it's seem to be the right thing to do it's got to be right for the individual yeah. so you you know just as much as everybody's got an opportunity to share everyone's got the equal and same opportunity not to yeah um so it's finding that that harmonious balance almost in an organization where you know you are what you want to be mm-hmm. and that for me you know as, as leaders in this organization as role models you know we have to enable that far more than maybe it was enabled 10 15 years ago um, and with social media and everything that's out there now, which was you know not there in my generation growing up, you have access to information, you have access to insights, you have access to other people, um, and that's what I think we need to continue to to do far far more pervasively in, in Sodexo. I think as well, um, completely echo what Rogers just said there, but I think to support that, 
it's almost a prerequisite. So if I, again, from a talent point of view, internally or externally, there's, there's an expectation from millennials as a, as a particular generation that we are going to be doing um, this within the workplace and we will be able to articulate it and report on it and demonstrate the so what and how authentic are we from a corporate responsibility point of view. I think to support that from wider organisation point of view, you have the gender pay. Um, which is obviously is going to support that and then obviously coming later on in the next year two years we don't know the exact date yet the legislation around ethnicity so there's so many reasons why we would need to want to um, be within this space and really allowing people to have this conversation and discussion and this is only going to support it yeah um one thing i did want to ask as well and because you mentioned it as well is what we can do as our network, so here we have a collective of different representations from the different networks that we have going on at SEDEC, so what can we do to drive that? Um, so you mentioned millennials, so we're now at a place where in our workforce we have, I think, three different um, generations yeah. working together. So considering future talent coming in as well, what are we doing to sort of make a, sort of create a diverse and inclusive workplace and, uh, uh, and also to um, encourage more people to come to us? Um, well, obviously, uh, as coaches, <laughs> I'm like an eye of, of a network. Um, I know a lot of the work that we're doing, and um, it was interesting that some of the comments that were had we were having before about DNI more um, broadly within the organisation, how people feel comfortable talking about um, diversity and inclusion, because we've done work with the members of our network to ask them what do they want, what what would they find helpful. Um, and what they fed back to us was that they don't feel comfortable talking about race, um, interestingly. Um, so we're looking to develop a toolkit um, for managers, um, which diversity and inclusion are helping us develop, around the talent piece um, and also just across the networks. I think it's really challenging. I mean, um, Amalak, I'm sure, would agree um, that there's a limited amount that you can do from a network point of view in terms of organisational change. Mm. Um, and I think we're making big strides in the right direction in terms of having networks, in terms of um, allowing our employees to connect to the DNI agenda through networks. But to actually make the sort of changes that you're asking about in terms of talent progression, um, there needs to be more of an alignment with the actual policies and procedures um, within the organisation that are part of HR. Um, you know, recruitment, talent, obviously Rachel's here um, from a talent and recruitment point of view um, and is closely connected to the DNI agenda, but there's a lot of changes that need to happen at that type of level um, within any organisation, including Sodexes. So I think networks can play a, a key part, mm -hmm. but you, it, that needs to happen alongside organisational change through HR um, predominantly. Okay. That would be my feeling anyway. I mean, I think, I think a, a couple of things. I think Rachel and I have, have done a couple of pilots and work closely um, together. One around unconscious bias. Um, we did a pilot in, in service operations where we trained um, champions who would partner with hiring managers and kind of just be that kind of challenge around that unconscious bias piece mm -hmm. um, that all of us have. Um, 
And we also um, did another one which was a sponsorship programme where everybody on, on the leadership team sponsored um, women who were seen as potential talent with, within service operations. And I was actually just looking at some of that and I think every single person has either been promoted or now in a different role. So clearly it works when you, when you make a focused mm -hmm. effort mm. Um, in, in terms of, of doing something. Um, I think one of the big elephants in the room um, that I'll probably just say is you've got three people sitting around this table who are senior within the UK and I. We've just talked about an organisation that employs 36,000 people um, and there are very few people of colour at a senior um, level. Um, and you know, for me, that's one of the biggest things. Pe pe you know, you need role models. You need people who you can recognise something of yourself in them and think, gosh, they've, they've managed that. I, I, I could do that. Um, and I, I'm, I, don't, I probably don't feel there probably are enough role models of a wide variety and diversity at the moment. Um, and for me, that's the thing that we need to look at. I think we have a lot of people perhaps at the lower levels within our organisation. Um, but I think in terms of getting some of that talent through the organisation from a much more diverse background, you know, all, all the studies tell us the more diverse mm. your management teams are, the better growth your business has. Because mm. you bring diversity of thought, you bring a different way of thinking to that board table. No, no, and, and I, I, I think that's the challenge for us. Sorry, I think just in context, you're absolutely right with what you said, but it's not unique to Dexo, and that's not an excuse. We look at the UK population as a whole, there's 14% of the working population are from a black and Asian minority background, only 6% occupy management positions, mm. and the very senior level of what fits is 200, two or three people, is yeah. shocking across the UK. Yeah. Like we're all struggling with, and that's where ethnicity pay reporting, I think, is some of the drivers behind that to help try that progression because we're not making progress. I think though, concluding your question, I guess, Amy, on the networks, that's what the network's supposed to do. So the networks, you know, without making it too complex, we talked about many words. Uh, Rachel talked about authenticity, people being, being comfortable in that. Uh, Raj talked about being comfortable in the environment. So that's what we try and create. And I think, as Michelle mentioned, visibility that, of that there are people who limited people actually who've got to a senior rank position but the opportunity exists that's what the network's trying to write mm -hmm. in various activities that we've, we've started launched or started to do okay i'm going to kind of conclude on this podcast and just say very th very much thank you but one thing i do want to say is rome wasn't built in a day and um i like you said about your expectations um no organization is going to have such a, a do such a thing in a day it's progressive and I think that sort of thought and that mindset needs to be adopted as well um, but and again it's a collective thing I think working together um, could speed it up if anything and also raise awareness and, and, and raise the level of engagement on such a thing um, so one thing I'd ask is what would you say to our listeners what can they do to be proactive in driving this uh, yeah mine would be um, everyone can make a difference so um, forward is forward so have a footprint, have a voice, you know, demonstrate the values, challenge with humility, ask the questions, and um, forward is forward. Shameless plug for me. 
doing our network. Yeah, genuinely, I think joining the network is a, is an easy place to start, and there's mm. lots of exciting things that we're going, we're doing in, at the moment and in 2019. Um, uh, Michelle's talked about a couple um, initiatives that she's done. We've also got a mentoring pilot, which we've already got really successful results from from that. Um, so yeah, just you know, as a starting place, join the Origins Network. You'll find it on SelectNet. Yeah, yeah, and I'll agree with Rachel. Um, I think being in a position where I'm grown within the company, you know, speak to your managers, challenge with humility, be open, um, and I thought that's the best way to really say what's in your mind and, and really start a conversation. Yeah, that's what I want. Um, I think I'd quite simply say dare to be different. Yeah. I think be brave and dare to be different. I'd probably add, um, you know, create the experience the experience that you want to be in. Um, you know, we're in a world of disruption and I think it's incumbent on all of us um, and our listeners now to, to help disrupt um, because that's the only way we're going to force change through. Anyone? I'd, I'd say, because it, I mean, there's eight of us in the room, so if anyone is listening to us, if, if you're not comfortable writing to us, I don't know many of us get many emails from anybody, we get lots of other females, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but we don't get emails of individuals who may be struggling mm -hmm. in their own identity, trying to progress their career, so I think if you're in doubt, uh, hopefully for all of us, uh, just right into us. Yeah, and I would just say, also lead by example, we talk about senior role models, but we all are role models at different levels of the organisation, so lead by example, challenge your biases, set the example you want others to follow. Perfect. Thank you all so much for coming and taking Thank part. Thank you. This podcast was produced by volunteers from the Sodexo Employee Network Groups. Email us on diversityandinclusion.uk at sodexo.com and follow us on Twitter at Sodexo D and I.